Hey everybody, welcome back to Podside. This is Pete. Uh, Chewy is wrapped around my feet. Uh, Carlo is hanging out as well. Hello, Carlo. Howdy, howdy. And we have Owen Higgins with us today. Uh, th- thanks for coming, Owen. Uh, uh, and thanks for picking this movie, which I probably would have never seen if you hadn't given us a shove. Yeah. Um, it was a... Uh, well... I mean, I remember watching it when it first came out. Oh, really? In the theater. Yeah, and, um, and like, like I you, was super pumped for it. And you're like one of eight people who could make that claim. That's the hell of it. I mean, it really it didn't do well in the theaters. But I'm I'm that it would have been a great experience. Well, I remember, you know, I remember. Um, so I, I was living in Washington in Olympia at the time, and um, there was a comic store called danger room comics that is still there great store mm-hmm. um and i used to go there um you know probably weekly monthly whatever uh, you know I, I went there frequently and um uh man that's bringing me back to like memories of reading the exterminators which was a a, a vertigo title mm-hmm. um anyway and so southland tales was kind of like he richard kelly who's the guy who did it, who's the same guy who did Donnie Darko, he kind of envisioned as this multimedia thing where it would like have like graphic novel tie-ins and like uh, animated, uh, you know, cartoons and stuff that would form the first three chapters of the story. And then the last three chapters would be the movie. Um, so I didn't, you know, I didn't read any of the comics or anything, but I was aware of it and I was kind of pumped for it because I like Donnie Darko and, and the cast uh you know the uh, setting aside whatever you think about the content and, and i think <laughs> this is going to be an interesting conversation but the cast is is like absolutely knockout cast i have never seen a cast like this like i just after a while it began to be a game like oh there's the o- old lady exorcist from poltergeist oh there's booger from revenge of the nerds yes. it's just <laughs> oh my god the Sicilian from the Princess Bride, like it's just incredible yes. who's in this. Uh, the 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 weird goth girl from The Crow. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, and of, of course, The Rock and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and so- um, and and just and just like like uh, you know, just peppered in there are just all of these amazing, uh, you know, really like background character actors who you just recognize from like all of these movies and. Their performances in this, where they're given like a lot more to do, are great. Like they're great. Like the guy, like I can't even remember what the guy's name is, but the guy who plays the senator um, is like I recognize him. Like I don't know his name. Um, yes. And, you know, if he's listening to this, uh, I'm sorry, but like I definitely recognize <laughs> him. And like, and he's just like, you know, he he just he he, he does what he what he can with with the role, and and it's great. And um, also it's- has a terrifying performance from an SNL vet that, that uh, I think we should get into later. Um, But, but yeah, just like, just, it just, just just a cast that is just, I think so good. And then just given this completely insane (laughs) script to work with. It it is, it is bonkers. And I'm not sure that that's an insult, you know, it's, uh, so, uh, so that uh, that actor who was actually the dad uh, in Donnie Darko, 
is Holmes Osborne. That's his name. Um, oh, and had you um, played the online like puzzle game of Donnie Darko by chance? No, no, I hadn't. I hadn't. I, it, I only asked that because when you said that this was planned, and I, I read a little bit about this, and yeah, you're absolutely right. There were like the three graphic novels and you know, sort of like a multimedia push. And it reminded me of like you sort of going through these files and clicking, you know, you had to click on the Smurf and all that stuff. And there was like a weird, very strange, very conspiratorial type of feeling to the Donnie Darko online, um, like the website. And uh, I think it was like, who is Donnie Darko.com or something like that. Uh, it was just, just weird and, and surreal and sort of claustrophobic. And uh, it just, brought me back brought back memories when you mentioned that but but please go on oh yeah i mean um i guess i guess how, how do we want to discuss this i mean this movie is just so weird well i um i want to bounce out of it to donnie darko for a second as a, as sort of an, a, an analogy for how i feel about it and then we can talk about it if that's okay if people sure, will I mean. indulge so i i have seen donnie darko maybe eight times three in the theater and like one once once in australia and once in india like i i anytime i see that that movie is showing i wander in that's just how it is but i saw the director's cut once and that was the one of the worst films i've ever seen in my life because all of the mystery, all of the things that were built up that made it sort of your own story as you're watching it, he tried to explain out of it. And it made it not work for me. Mm -hmm. That is um, that's so interesting because one of the things I've never seen the director's cut of that, but one of the things that I like about Donnie Darko is that my explanation for what is going on is much better than Richard Kelly's explanation for what is going on. And <laughs> it's also different than my sister's explanation for what's going on and, and other people I know like, and, and that's, I think that's cool about it. Yeah. It, it's one of the coolest things about the film. Like there's a lot of moments I remember, but the fact that it's a, an ink blot test is amazing to me. I, I keep thinking about a uh, well, terrible analogy, George Lucas, where like at the beginning of his career, if George Lucas started doing something that became too self-indulgent or was moving things away from where it needed to be, like there was someone there to stop George Lucas. And I felt like for Donnie Darko, there was someone around Kelly, the, the editor, somebody like that, who who could grab the pen out of his hand. And in this movie, like I think that this movie has the foundation for one of the best movies i've ever seen like it's just incredible but it's also so fucking goofy i mean like <laughs> i feel like you could split it into three separate movies that would be cool and it would be an improvement i i don't know so that that's sort of where i'm at is like i'm gonna watch this thing again but if you ask me if it's a good movie, I start talking about George Lucas and Donnie Darko and staring at my feet like I'm all <laughs> over the place. Well, I, I feel Carlo, like it's yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I have to, I have to confess that um, I saw Donnie Darko. I never saw the director's cut because I heard 
don't see it from people I trusted. And I said, okay, won't do it. Uh, and, and more or less for the reasons that Pete describes that it over explained it. And I was like, no, that's, that's a mistake. <laughs> Part of it is in fact, what you guys are saying that uh, there's enough sort of invitation into it. There's enough space for me to go in and, and, and sort of interpret it in a way that makes sense to me. And it, and it can meld with what is actually happening. You know, it's not exactly fanfic, but you can sort of interpret it and there's space for that. And uh, after seeing that and, and hearing about Southland Times, I was like, oh, it's the same guy that Donnie Darko, as people told me. Uh, it's not good. And I was like, oh, well, okay. And so I, I only saw it recently, right, for, for, for this episode. And I have to admit that it's such an artifact of its time. And some of the stuff is goofy, absolutely. But some of the stuff you can see, this guy was on to something. Like sitting in our, the year of our Lord, 2021, I'm like going like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could see that. This is still a problem. These are all still problems. You know, he, he was actually doing something really interesting. And within the last, I mean, the, the first, say, five to 10 minutes of the movie, which is voiceover and you're not supposed to do it and blah, blah, blah. It just gave me like this real interesting sort of sort of like weird, like if you could see an alternate branch of reality at the same time uh, and you can see like, oh, this is what, you know, this is what he saw was going to happen. I guess it's almost like hauntology, right? But for the early aughts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, one of the thoughts I had, and I know that this wasn't, uh, that this is cheap, but if the president of the United States had been Donald Trump in this, everybody on earth would be talking about this movie incessantly forever, because mm -hmm. like, it was a great description of what was going on in the Bush years and where things could lead, which seemed to like mainline into the, the, some of the craziness where we we've, we've had and are still having. And I, I I agree. I think I think that like there was a lot of insight in this film, and like some of the silly things, I definitely wouldn't change. Like the 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 musical number, um, the the <laughs> fact that the the war board was sponsored by Hustler. Like I treasure that shit. Yeah, I, I think I think those those kind of like almost surreal notes that are just believable enough and it's i mean okay so i've say i've seen this movie a ton of times uh you know this was like a fifth or sixth time that i'd watched it when i watched it the other day um in preparation for this and but it was the first time that i had watched it in in a while uh probably since probably since the obama years and and i gotta say like watching it during at you know at, at the tail end of trump was just like whoa like the the surreal hyper technicolor kind of world that he creates um seemed so over the top and satirical to me back in 2006 when this first came out and in the in the early 2010s um like you're saying like uh you know like the tanks being sponsored by hustler 
uh, no longer <laughs> feels like that's completely, you know, out, out of out of bounds. Um, the appearance of of Wallace Shawn and and the rest of his weird little uh, crew who are making energy out of the uh, waves in the ocean, which at the time, by the way, at the time was like kind of an unproven idea. Now, um, uh, I know that at least in Ireland, they're doing that off the coast, um, with with varying levels of success, but they're trying it. Um, so it, it is an artifact of his time in that it is, I mean, it's explicitly about Bush. It's explicitly about like, uh, six years of Bush. But I think that, you know, like you're saying, like he, he, he was onto some things and and the thing about the alternate reality too, and and this is maybe the maybe the one single thing about the movie that I love the most, um, and it it it's it's a very important element of any movie uh, to me is the soundtrack, mm-hmm. and the reason that I one of the one of the reasons that I love the soundtrack so much uh, in this movie is that um, it is it's constant, like there there are. I don't think there are any there's there may be a couple of moments when you're just listening to, you know, sound effects and and uh, and and actors talking for the rest of the time. There's always ambient music going on uh, below it. And I think that what it does is it kind of gives the movie this dreamlike feel where you're just uh, and like plus the sound, the the ambient sound uh, the, uh, Moby actually uh, composed the original sound for this and the sounds that he uses are, are just brilliant. Like there's just like this kind of wow noises, like all the time going on. And then just like synth, just like long synth notes, um, especially in the beginning, like you're saying with the voiceover, like it's Justin Timberlake doing the voiceover, you know, playing a uh, pilot Abilene. And he, you know, he's explaining what is, you know, basically what has happened in, in the, in the first three chapters. Cause you just like dropped into this in chapter four and like the thing doesn't make any sense. Even, even after you understand, um, like I, I think I read up on Wikipedia or something to like understand like what happened in the first three chat, it still makes no sense. Like, like it, it, like it just doesn't really hang together. Um, but it doesn't matter because that's not really what it is. It's kind of like more of an experiential kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah, that kind of dreamlike alternate reality, uh, Altered reality. I mean, it feels like you're on drugs a lot of time when you're watching this movie. Like it's, it's explicitly made. I feel to to feel like you're incredibly high. Yeah, yeah I I have to agree. Like I was thinking about exactly that because I was like trying to formulate like how would I describe this watching this movie to someone who's never seen it. And I was like, this is sort of like piecing together the night before after you've you've just gotten completely shit-faced and there's flashes here and there that make sense and and your brain wants to really create a narrative out of that but you really don't have much of anything Uh, and as you're piecing it together it turns out what you experienced is actually a philip k dick novel right right i mean i i feel like i i came away from this uh actually towards the end and uh we we could probably get into that uh a while in in a bit but Towards the end, I felt like the the reveal of who uh, 
Dwayne Johnson's character is Boxer Santeros or uh, what is it? Phil, Philip Kane? Uh, Jericho Kane. I'm sorry. These, these names are just completely over the top as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, these are names that invite you to think this is just completely fake. It's not really like even the, even like they're very hy- comic book. Right. Well, I mean, it's hyper surreal. Like it's not even like, they're not even, he's not even trying to be like crystal now. Really? <laughs> but I mean, that's her stage name. Was it crystal? But, but you Lynn? know what? Kapowski. You know what the thing in, in this, in this time watching it, that, that I was, I'm glad you brought her up because this time watching it, I was like actually really blown away by every time that she and the other porn stars are doing their talk show. Mm-hmm. Even, even the structure of the talk show where they are, they are trying to break out of doing porn. So they're doing a talk show. That's basically like a YouTube talk show. I mean, mm-hmm. even that is like, that's what people are doing now. Like they're like, they're getting famous just by talking to the camera, you know, like, well, like, and- do, like doing YouTube and, and, and the stuff that they're talking about um, with the exception of the uh, like the the anti masturbation like pro virginity stuff, which is extremely like a relic of the Bush years. Like that's a very like direct satire of that. But the other stuff that they talk about is 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 very much. I feel like uh, it 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 felt it felt a lot more like relevant to now uh, than it has any other time that I've that I've watched the movie. Well, I, I to that point, I feel like the talk show itself. And I don't remember because it's, it's been a while, but it it was, it's mimicking exactly what you're talking about, where it's mimicking a natural conversation. Like they're just talking to each other and you're like a fly in the wall where it's already trying to make that parasocial uh, bond with the audience. And, you know, obviously you're watching it from, from beyond the, the, the structures of, of the film, but you can see exactly what you're talking about, where it's like, oh, there, this is just a show where it's supposed to look like they're naturally talking about these things. And they sort of are, but also, you know, is it scripted? Uh, is this just like somewhat choreographed or completely off the cuff? You wouldn't be able to tell if you were a viewer in that world, I suppose. Uh, which, I mean, I guess also bounces off the idea that they, cast someone who is a wrestler and is well-versed in kayfabe uh, as one of the protagonists or the main characters of the movie. Did you notice that physical thing he did to try and make himself appear less threatening? Yeah, the the twiddling, or not the twiddling of the thumbs, but like almost that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Punching like over. almost... Yeah, yeah, it, it it was it was very interesting to me. Like, I'd have loved to have been a fly on the wall to see how that evolved. It's like, you know, Rock, you you get you got to appear to be more of a wuss. You got work with us, and okay, rub your hands together like Renfield and Dracula. You know, and it just it it I I actually it made it one of the more interesting Rock depictions I've ever seen because he doesn't uh his physicality isn't important. Yeah, I, I, I think that I remember when I watched this and, and, and I remember watching this and being like, oh, shit, like the rocks a really good actor. Like, like, mm-hmm. like he, he can actually do a lot. Um, I am realizing, though, that we're like 20 minutes in and we haven't explained the plot of the movie. Uh, <laughs> and so what I'm going to do is um, just because I have it up here on my player and I can scrub through it really fast. And also I've seen it uh, at least four more times than you guys have. 
Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go through the plot really base, really quickly, which is um, there is a nuclear attack um, at some point in, in, in the past in Texas uh, that sparks World War III, where the U.S. attacks Iraq, Iran, Syria, North Korea, and Afghanistan. Um, leading to just basically like, uh, you know, the Iraq war on steroids, completely privatized military. Um, the U S kind of goes fascist. California is the only state that's allowed to vote in the election. Um, and, 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 and will decide it will decide the election. Um, there is just this kind of just, there are these, there's this group called the, uh, this is really laughable now, like the neo-Marxists who are kind of like a terror group um, who are trying to use Boxer Santeros, the actor who's played by The Rock, to embarrass one of the candidates because his daughter is married to Boxer Santeros. Um, they're also, for some reason, sending him out with Sean William Scott, who plays a police officer. He's one of the other main characters um, so that they can fake a racist murder and I think that that's actually how they're going to like take down uh, the uh, the the presidential candidate at the same time. While Sean's character uh, Trier is working on new technology to use uh, wave power underneath the ocean to power the world. Uh, There's man, there are so many subplots in this movie. I'm just like looking at it's just like. The, uh, there's a great musical number with Justin Timberlake. Um, the whole movie is is basically like a love letter to L.A. as well. Um, uh, at the end, um, they they find out that that they are able to and see now I can't even remember exactly even though I just watched it. Like what is it? They can send people back in time. But- yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 power device that they made out in the middle of the ocean to jet, you know, to use wave generation actually creates discontinuities in time and like a stable one formed out in the Mojave and they figured out they could throw people through it. Yeah, right, right, right. And so and so um, Sean William Scott's uh, so the rocks character uh, goes goes through it and and kills his past self so he can continue to live uh, somehow or something. But Sean William Scott's character does not. And so there are two of him existing at the same time. Um, and uh, at the, at the end of this is an, and if you, you're listening to this and you're thinking this is going to spoil it, it's not, you're not going to understand it anyway. It doesn't really make sense. Um, <laughs> the Sean William Scott's meet up in a, in, in a van that's being used by a weapons manufacturer or a weapons dealer, and they shake hands, uh, propelling the vehicle into the air where it starts floating up and up and up into the sky. Um, this completely useless, other than doing this uh, side character with the rocket launcher, then takes down uh, a Hindenburg esque futuristic blimp uh, that Trier has, killing everybody on it, including the rock. And that's basically how the movie ends. Um, yes, uh, listener, I understand that doesn't make any sense. Uh, that's exactly <laughs> what we've been talking about here. Uh, but do not let that stop you from watching the movie. No, it, it, it's truly fascinating. I think the the 
the thing when when the the oh shit um what's his name again uh sean patrick scott uh hold up sean william scott i'm sorry the two sean william scotts uh, like obviously when he's initially uh like introduced uh officer ronald taverner uh he's in front of a mirror and he's like off sync with his reflection which is a very very strange effect it's very disorienting and the more i think about it the more i think like my interpretation of the end is that there was a point where the the this the disjointedness of the entire narrative was because time itself was sort of breaking down uh hmm. so until both taverners can sort of meld together and thus join into one continuity, things are going to get fucked and more and more fucked and sort of just disintegrate. Uh, that's my interpretation of trying to make sense of that. I don't know if that's actually true, but it is for me. One thing I would like to mention here is that my wife and I, uh, like when I was living in Vegas, we would take regular trips to California once or twice a month just to hit up and down the seaboard. So we hit Venice Beach a few times. So there were definitely a few very surreal moments in the film where The Rock would stroll through a place and I'm like, I vomited there. <laughs> and... <laughs> That really adds something to a film is like when you're looking at the set and realize that you were on your knees, like, like turning inside out, like right where the action is happening. So, um, I, I do want to talk about one particular subplot, um, because I think it's probably, it, it leads up to what I think is the best single moment in the movie and probably, uh, this one scene is probably is one of the reasons that I love the movie uh, so much, despite all of its many flaws, which, which we could just spend, we could spend like an hour just talking about why the movie is flawed. Um, although I would continue to defend it, even though uh, noting all of that stuff, but um, which is the neo-Marxist plan. So their plan is that uh, uh, Jericho Kane, uh, which is no, what's his name? What's his uh, name? The, Boxer Santeros? No, wait. Boxer Santeros. Boxer Santeros, who is writing a script that's going to change the world with Kristen now, played by Sarah Michelle Gellar, um, where, she, where he would play this character named Jericho Kane, and the reality is starting to like slip for him. Like he's not quite understanding like what is going and, and this is not really actually a subplot. This is like the main thrust of like the first half of the movie. Um and so the neo-Marxist plan, which Chris and now is a part of, their plan is that they will put him in a car with Officer uh, Roland Taverner, played by Sean William Scott, who will then um, say a bunch of racist stuff on camera and then kill uh, an interracial couple uh, on camera and The Rock will be there, and, or Boss Santos will be there and will be implicated in it. And and that will take down uh, the the presidential campaign of, of Senator uh, what's his name, and so uh, because his daughter played by Mandy Moore, I mean, I'm telling you this cast ridiculous. Like so, his <laughs> daughter played by Mandy Moore is married to Pasha Santeros. Um and Roland Taverner uh, does not think that he's a cop, but his double 
is being held by the neo-Marxists and is a cop, even though Roland Taminer actually is a cop, but he's also himself. But but there are two of him because of the time thing that we talked about earlier. So so that's kind of the setup. So so they're going around in in the car and uh, and Sean William Scott uh, drops the N word um, in a scene that I cannot imagine would ever be filmed today. Um, like ever. I, I, I yeah it's I was so totally gratuitous. shocked. He just it just rolls off his tongue. You're like oh wow okay yeah yeah and and and, and that's that's not that's not to speak ill of Sean William Scott who I think. I think as, as well as the rock, like knocks, knocks his scenes out of the park. I mean, I, I yeah. think that they both do such a great, I think everybody does a great job in the movie. Honestly. Um, yeah. I don't think that there's a, a weak link in the cast at all. Um, but you know, so, so he says this and, um, they go, they, they get, uh, they get tacos or something and, and they're talking and then, oh, so, but anyway, so meanwhile, the neo-Marxists are planning that uh, the uh, that th- that the two people who are going to play the parts of the couple are going to have squibs, and so he's going to shoot blanks at them, and the squibs are going to go off, and that's going to be how they kill him. And so the leader of the neo-Marxists is played by Saturday Night Live uh, alum Sherry O'Terry in a frankly fucking terrifying performance, <laughs> where she just beats the shit out of everybody. Um, and the couple uh, are played by, and I don't know who the guy is, but Amy Poehler uh, it's, uh, plays, w- plays w- the woman. Wood Harris or, or Avon Buckdale for people who watched Wire. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, yeah he was, he's great. Oh, he that's right. Just, he was Avon. Holy yeah. shit, I never, oh my God. But then they, they put like prosthetics on both of them, like the false noses and Buckdale. It's, it's and not shit. that. It's, it's that he just, he plays so He's he played the role he plays the role so much differently than he plays oh, Avon, oh, for sure. And yeah. so I just never like wow. Now I feel like an idiot. I should have known that. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's but, good. It, but so anyway, so so they yeah so they put a bunch of prosthetics on so that they won't be recognizable and and they and they start uh, yelling at each other and then there's this fake call that Roland Taverner and um and and boxer have to go to and they're going there it's domestic disturbance and as they get there another car pulls up and this is my favorite performance in the movie it's john lovitz from snl playing like the straight up scariest motherfucker yes. <laughs> he's, he's so scary just dead-eyed oh my god i was like oh shit that's john lovitz <laughs> he's he is so terrifying in this movie like like i'm like i'm laughing about it because it's John Lovitz and it's funny to think about, but while you're watching it, I mean, he is just like, there's nothing going on behind his eyes except for just malice and hate. And so he goes in there with them and he just straight up kills the other two. And it's prompting one of the funniest moments, which is they're lying there and they hit the squibs. So the things are just like, <laughs> he shoots them. And then like a second later, Oh yeah. Okay. Go. They hit the squibs. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so bad. It's so funny. And it's so awful. And I, I mean, I, I, until this movie, I was completely unable to imagine John Lovitz being scary. And now it's easy. When, when, when he tells them to get the fuck out of here, I, I remember watching the theater and be like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what is going on, man? Like, um, 
And, and so you later find out that that he's Sherry O'Terry's lover and that he's part of the neo-Marxists, et cetera. But like the, just that one scene. Oh, and also like the. Uh, obviously, both um, Boxer Santeros and Roland Taverner freak out. They completely mm-hmm. freak out and um, they, they just kind of scatter to the wind. Um, and it's just like and again, like I, I just think that the music is just like perfect during this scene. And. And there's like uh, the the way that it's shot, like the greens of the uh, of of the uh, uh, topiary that they're running through are just like popping at you, like like in kind of an unreal way. And anyway, I just I I I just really love that whole like little sequence. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, honestly, it it it's one of the few moments in the film where I'm like, that is, that's just conventionally pretty. You know what I mean? Like normally things are a little bit more raw or like there's just sort of a thread of, of blade runner in there where, where things are kind of shitty and run down. And part of it is like you're in Venice beach and that's how it is. But I feel like there's also a choice there too. Like he, he didn't, he, he didn't want you to be in a garden most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I, it, you know, especially when I mean he makes the choice obviously to uh to have Justin Timberlake who uh is is a good-looking guy under normal circumstances but you know in 2006 was like you know considered like one of the hottest guys on the planet and he just like straight up disfigures his face for the movie. Like, you know, he just has like a, a um an injury from shrapnel. So so his so his face is is just disfigured from that. Um you know, and 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 all of the scenes with him too, like he he's manning this uh, this gun on on the beach. Is that Venice Beach that they're on? I, I, like I don't I don't actually know the area, but um, or Long Beach or wherever it is. But he's like out in the water, um, just on this huge swivel gun, uh, with like fog behind him all the time, and everything's like washed and gray and kind of blue. Um, but then, you know, when they're on the boardwalk, like, 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 uh, like colors popping and, um, whenever you're on Kristen now's talk show or hanging out with her, colors are popping. It, it, like every, every, it does seem like, like kind of every little set piece and every set and every character kind of has their own, um, color palette. Hmm. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Now you're going to make me watch this again. Damn it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm 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 down for it. Honestly, I I, I, I am too. I, I think that this presents an interest. It, it it's not it's not like a puzzle box type of story. It's it, I think I think it is like Owen was saying, like an experience. You you sort of just buckle in and you put it on, and you know, it's two hours plus of just sort of going through a weird experience. And I mean the 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 funny thing about the the whole shooting that turns out to be a real shooting, uh, you know, is the fact that it is in fact sort of like this. It's he's already telegraphing that there's sort of like this doubling happening. You know that there's a sort of a was it simulacra and simulacrum thing going on where it, it's a script. It's all scripted, but then it happens for real. But no, no, hold on. It's actually also scripted underneath. <laughs> It's it's been choreographed underneath the the scripting and the supposed layer of reality. So, I think it is supposed to be very disorienting 
altogether that you know the the scene itself is supposed to be that moment where you are just just completely launched into like complete confusion like what the fuck and then you know it just continues from there like that's where i feel the the narrative starts to really sort of break up into like little fractal pieces that don't really connect with each other but they they form almost a mosaic yeah, I, I I would agree with that, and I I would also say I think it's I think a good way to put it is that it is not a puzzle box because oh. it, it it is for, for all that we're saying about like how like parts of it are nonsense and and other parts are are you know just like this doesn't make sense and this doesn't make sense and this doesn't make sense at the same time um, the movie has an actually actually has a pretty linear narrative. It's just the only way that you can understand it is if you're inside Richard Kelly's head and you know exactly what he wants you to think. And because we're not in Richard Kelly's head and he didn't do a good enough job explaining like, like, like the, well, that's maybe not fair, but because the movie is not completely clear about exactly why things are happening, it's hard to understand it that way. But there are, there's no like, you're right that there's no sleight of hand going on here. Like there's no, like, like he, like he's not trying to trick you. You know, he's, he, he, he's not presenting you with something and then be like, Oh, but look, it's actually this. Like, no, it's not that it's like, this is the story. This is what's happening. Um, it just doesn't really make any sense the way that I've laid it out. Uh, because you're missing the first three chapters. And also, uh, I, I think that's a lot of, it. I think you're just kind of dropped into the middle of it. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a question for both of you, um, which is, is this movie uh, broken? By which do I mean, does it does it do what the director originally intended? Uh, or uh, I, I, I mean, do you know what I'm saying here? I feel like I'm getting lost in my own sentence. I, I think I think if to, to approach that in the best faith possible yeah i would say to owen's point i do believe if if i were if i were looking at the at at a story that was this i would say that not all the stories on the page you you didn't get it all on the page richard kelly you got to go back see if you can revise it i don't want any longer i just want a little bit more filled in so that i can sort of follow Uh, you got some really interesting stuff here but I, I, I'm, not, I'm having trouble connecting stuff, and I don't necessarily think that that's a horrible knock on the movie as it stands. But I do believe that yes, there's a lot of it that is that wasn't on the page. It's not on the screen as a result, and so the 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 performances are genuine. The storyline is not trying to obscure or withhold any information. It's simply a a problem of limited point of view. You don't have all the answers, and that's fine because you're only seeing it through people who aren't in on the big sort of secret, if you will. So why uh, wouldn't you want it to be longer, Carlo? I mean... <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, it, it is two hours. What is it? Two hours and two and a half, minutes? I think. Yeah. yeah. Two hours, 35 minutes, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, I mean, it, it's fine. I, 
I do, maybe it's just me having gone back to stuff in the eighties and in nineties where it was a tight 90 and you're like, damn, that was good. <laughs> uh, you know, everything feels real sort of tight and, and compact and nothing's missed. Uh, this does feel a little indulgent, but I don't, again, I, I'm conflicted because I, I, I do see some genius behind it. Uh, there is, there are some interesting things that Richard Kelly is revealing about how he felt <laughs> about sort of the early Bush years. And, uh, you know, that's, I think that's interesting. And the way he extrapolates that outwards uh, into a future that we can you know, sort of, sort of kind of see is really, I mean, that was the fascinating part for me because I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that, that sort of makes sense. That, that's still like, like I mentioned at the beginning, that's still a problem. Yeah. That's gotten worse. <laughs> so he was on, on the right track. I feel, I, I just, I, I really did enjoy this movie, even though I didn't know that I understood everything. That's interesting. So, so the way that you answered that question just kind of made me realize something about how I enjoy movies, which is that um, I much prefer a movie that's like experiential and goes on for two and a half or even three hours where I'm just kind of like at the whims of the director's vision and just kind of lost in their world more than I enjoy a, and this is a general thing. This is not like, this is not universal. Uh, this is just like a general feeling more than I enjoy like a tight 90 minute film that, 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 that has, has a, has a good structure. So for example, um, I, I prefer something uh I prefer a movie like Heat or or Godfather Godfather Part 2 or something like this um or 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 even like a TV mini series like back in the day when they used to do like uh, like The Stand like 1994 like with <laughs> like you know four like 3 hour parts or I mean they're not really that long but you know what I'm saying like that kind of like I like that long kind of just kind of sitting in like marinating in 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 uh in in the sound and the idea and and the and and the world that they created um uh and now i've completely gone off topic i totally forgot what your question was pete but i just i just had that little realization i just uh and oh, i think no, that's that... what, that's probably why i like this movie so much is because that is what this movie is it is it is really just like you're just like in it my my question is do you think it it works as designed like, are the things that, that are great in this movie exactly what the director intended? Or are, are, are the failures part of what makes it good? Well, I think... And, and I, I don't even know if it's a fair question. I, you know, I, I, I think that for me... Um, this movie does what I... Th think was intended uh which was just to kind of have you experience uh richard kelly's vision of 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 what this movie what he wanted this movie to be um and it's 
failings to me, like the only things that I don't really like in this movie are the absolutely insufferably cornball uh, suicide line at the end, which is just like absolutely cringeworthy, uh, especially like now. Um, but which is, um, I'm a pimp and pimps don't commit suicide. It's just oh, like I the most, it's just the most Ed Hardy bullshit <laughs> that you could just imagine. It's just like so cringy. Um, I, I, I think I blocked it. <laughs> it. It's just so terrible. So bad. I, I found by Ling impossible to watch in this, like every interaction she had with the rock. I mean, I, I'd have tased her. <laughs> well, you know, oh, oh, and and the other thing, the other thing that I can't stand is the is the subplot, the completely meaningless subplot with the call center worker who's obsessed with Boxer Santeros and De- is oh, de- playing, <laughs> who, who's like playing the part, who who is treating him like he's Jericho Kane and playing the part of Doctor Whatever, and 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 goes to meet him and then is, basically says something like, "I want to suck your dick." Uh, and and then gets shot in the head by Justin Timberlake. I mean, the whole it's just like <laughs> that. That I could definitely do without. Um, but the rest, I think, is pretty good. Like, I don't, you know, I don't those those two things. I mean, Biling is, uh, you know, forgettable. I, like, I always forget that she's in the movie. Um, the one thing I will say though is, I remember watching. I remember being like very like weirded out and like not really enjoying. Um, Wallace Shawn, who who plays Trier, and all of his hanger-ons, and and over time, I've gotten to really, uh, you know, a- after watching it over and over again, I've gotten to actually really like them and think that they are actually a really cool part of the movie, um, and uh, that they're not just like a kind of uh, evil Deus Ex Machina, which which uh, which they kind of are, but. I mean, the funny thing is that the minute I saw uh, Wallace Shawn, I, I, I mean, uh, I immediately was like, oh, so this is like an Elon Musk character. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then I was like, wait, he's surrounded by three women? And I was like, immediately, because my writer brain immediately went, turned on. I was like, oh, so are these supposed to be like the fates? Oh, this is about time travel or something, right? <laughs> and I think that that's why I came to the the sort of interpretation that I did. Because he makes it a real big point to have, you know, the, you know, I, I can't, I sometimes question your faith to, or your commitment to Sparkle Motion Lady, the lady from Poltergeist <laughs> and Bai Ling uh, as three hangers on. And I was like, are these the, the Greek fates? Is that what he's trying to do here? I'm going to guess yes. But I That's, don't know. I didn't that even did notice that. A- yeah. That's really interesting. Definitely did not occur to me. And I, I love the idea that, like it, they're iconic character actors that he's turned into the, the the fates. I would, you know, actually, I would say, I would say there, there is one other thing that, that that still annoys me is the uh, kind of insufferable use of like Robert Frost and other quotations throughout the movie irritates oh, like- the shit out of me. What about the Jane's addiction quote? Remember that? <laughs> which, well, which Jane's addiction quote is it? Um, 
I'm trying to remember, like, did he quote like three days or coming down the mountain? Like I definitely, at one point I'm like, I know this is in a Jane's Addiction song. And I guess it's possible that Jane's Addiction just ran with an existing poem and I'm an idiot. Like that, that's not unheard of. Well, they, I mean, they, 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 uh, he uses, um, he uses one of their songs in the movie. It is three days. He uses three days. Yeah. And they are, I mean, they're an LA band. And, and all, and, uh, you know, full disclosure, uh, Jane's addiction are one of, if not my favorite rock band of all time. Um, that, that so, is a good take. I, I, so, I so ha- happy to see that. But, um, but I don't actually remember that. I, but all I remember is like the miles to go before I sleep and all of that stuff. And I was just like, Oh my God, man. Like this is just really, <laughs> really I, I think. I did. I did think that it was funny. I mean, it, that didn't bother me so much because I, if I, I, I don't remember. Maybe it was repeated later. But the minute that it was uh, Senator Frost saying it, who you know, like uh, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, uh, I forgot his name now. Uh, Holmes Osborne. That's why because he's got two first names or some shit. Um, uh, says it, and he sort of looks like Bush. You know, in in sort of like he he embodies like that Republican looking type of person. Maybe I'm being un, unfair to people. I don't know, but the minute he's the one that says it and sort of quotes it, is like, oh, this is okay. This is some political bullshit. Fuck it. Like he's saying it like uh, in front of like the call center for U.S. What is it? Uh, USID, which is basically like a surveillance system. And I was like, okay, so he's like at the NSA at some NSA office spouting George, you know, like uh, Robert Frost poems. Okay. Whatever. Okay. So I found it guys. Um, uh, and I know you don't care, but it would have bothered me forever. Katerina quotes the song three days to boxer when, when she tells him to go follow Krista after the meeting at the frost mansion. And what she says is bump, a dump. Uh, we saw shadows of the morning light, the shadows of the evening sun, till the shadows and the lights were one. Ah, that's okay. right. That's right. That's right. She does. And then they have that weird dance part too. Oh my god! That's <laughs> the, I, the interpretive the the interpretive uh, threesome. Yeah, yes. the, the interpretive threesome dance that's going on while at the same time the Sean William Scotts the Sean's <laughs> William Scott are 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 ascending in the weapons dealer's van into the, into the sky. And, uh, and, and that, that character who basically has, has no role except to shoot a bazooka at them and then kill himself, um, is, is climbing on top of it with, with the rocket launcher. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, at this, while this is happening, they're having this weird interpretive dance that everybody's just like watching. And <laughs> it's a very, very weird moment. It's, it's also strangely very it's like hor- the horniest moment in the entire film I felt uh but but also and, and you had some choices <laughs> oh for sure yeah. for sure i mean uh but um so i i guess my question is um is the floating ice cream truck that christopher christopher lambert who appears like for 3 seconds in this movie to get his ass whooped uh is that like a reference to Repo Man? Do you think, like the ending of Repo Man? Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. 
I, I, I don't have an answer. I'm just like, I, I thought to myself, is this, cause I, I have no clue. I haven't seen repo man in ages. So maybe I, I need to rewatch that. I, I have a request. If you guys uh, will go along with this, I would like this episode to end with the teen horniness is not a crime song. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Let's Definitely. do it. Definitely. Uh, it, if we can find it, I'm sure we can. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I just checked. It's on YouTube. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Um, oh, let, let's let's also talk about another um, great co-star uh, who 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 has a, a just a a really great performance here. And um, you guys understood who the veteran was, right? With the with the blown off leg. I didn't recognize um, him when I first saw him. And I was like, it wasn't until credits roll. I was like, what the fuck? Kevin yeah. Smith is in this? What yeah. the fuck? Who is it? And 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 a very good uh performance by him. I mean, he's only in it for like probably a total of like three minutes, but um but the makeup is really great. Like you wouldn't know that it's him at all. <laughs> no. No. I also apparently Janine Garofalo is in this. I didn't yes. I didn't see her at all. Yeah, she's she's in the military. Yeah. Is she? I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like she's, she's general so and so in the middle of all the 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 loony shooting people. Uh like the you know you know how like across LA there's all those people on the rooftop shooting people. She's in charge of some of those if I remember correctly. Ah. So I mean to to your point Owen, about uh Kevin Smith, I feel like if there is a, a talent that Richard Kelly has, it's probably to know exactly how much of each of these, each of these uh, actors uh, and and people he's cast, how much he needs from them, and I feel like that's exactly right. I think that like Kevin Smith didn't have a chance to be sort of like Kevin Smith. Uh, he just gave him just enough. I don't know, Kevin, just dial it down, dial it down. Uh, and and the same thing with the SNL cast. Like it's just they're all great. It's fantastic. Also, Will Sasso's in this. I forgot about that as well. He's he plays a great uh, a great role, but yeah, I, I think I, th- I think that's right. I mean, um, and and the ones that he allows uh, to do a lot, like Sherry O'Terry uh, and John Lovitz, who I think probably have like the biggest uh, roles of 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 that part. Um, you know, he just, I mean. You got to think like while you're watching this that like for any filmmaking flaws that he may have um that that you see in this movie or or in others um I mean this guy can like wrangle some performances. Oh, right? yes. Like he really can. Like you know, The Rock I mean this was 15 years ago. Like The Rock was not really known for like being able to act. He was known for being able to be like an an action star. Sean William Scott was known uh, as Stifler from American Pie. Like that was it, you know. And then like, and he just like took both of them. I think in in, in particular, uh, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Mandy Moore were kind of, I think, a little more respected for like their abilities, uh, you know, a- acting wise at that point. But uh, Sean William Scott and The Rock, like in particular. Um, at the time, we're just like not thought of as people who could do that kind of stuff. And 
they they had kind of like these personas, and this is kind of getting at what you were just saying. Like they had these kind of personas that you knew them for, where it's like, oh, the Rock is like a wrestler, and so like he's gonna kind of, he's like really good at like winking to the camera, and like you know he's he's like fun to watch, and like Sean William Scott is like, you know, like he's he's gonna do something goofy, and like but like no, Richard Kelly doesn't have these guys do any of that stuff. Like they just they they play the whole thing completely straight, and then they're both like pretty understated performances given the content, and and I think that that's a real strength of this movie um, is especially like those two performances. But I think also I think I think everybody in this movie does does a really good job. He managed to get probably the best cast I've ever seen from a movie for basically the change from his couch. Like this whole thing cost uh, seventeen million bow to Stern, and yep. for a cast like that, that is pocket change. I think a lot of these people did it because they just love the crap out of Donnie Darko. Well, I mean, um, I was just going to point out because I, I I remember seeing The Rock and um, and Sean William Scott uh, previous. I, I didn't know if it was previous to this, but I saw them together in the rundown, which is actually, yes, 2003. So I have to wonder if, uh, you know, Kelly saw them in that and said, Oh, these guys could actually have great chemistry together and I can probably get a really good performance out of them. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Pete. I think that probably he got them on because, you know, this is going to be the, the guy that did Donnie Darko. Fuck. Yeah. I'll do it for, you know, a little bit less than I'm you than I should probably do it for. That's that's it. I didn't I didn't realize that they've been in the rundown together. But you know, if if you definitely the scenes in the car, they have great chemistry. But the scene when they're having uh, when they're having lunch, um, which which like goes on maybe like longer than it should for like the plot. But you don't really care while you're watching. You're just like these. You're just watching these guys just like banter back and forth. Um, in kind of an expository way, I think he's talking about a screenplay or something at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just like this. And yeah, again, I mean, Sean William Scott's performance, I got to say, like, he is so quiet, like, and and so it's so good. Like, I, I just I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. I. I mean, honestly, we could talk about this for another hour, but I I don't think like I guess this is a show with an audience and this (laughs) might be a good time to ask them if they haven't seen it already to just go sit down and watch this thing. Yeah, Um, we haven't spoiled anything. I think Owen's absolutely correct. I don't know how you could, frankly. Yeah, even 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 the scenes that we've described in detail. uh, (laughs) it, It doesn't I mean, when I was like quick scrubbing. Uh, through th- through the movie, like I left out so much stuff, so many characters, uh, so many subplots, um, you know, and and again, uh, I I would say you know e- even speaking as somebody who's never been to Southern California, um, it it I mean this movie is a love letter to the LA area, um, so. Whether or not, but if you live there, I'm sure that you'll you'll have an especially an especially acute uh, appreciation for it. Just how how much uh, how how much it's obvious that that he just like loves the area. 
So, Owen, we have used up an hour of your valuable time, and we are appreciative. Is there anything that you have on the fire right now that you would like to promote? Oh, um, I just have a bunch of articles in varying stages of development, uh, writing or edits, um, all okay, of which well, will, will be coming out. But but um, but but I got to say, uh, I have been pretty much flat out uh, for the last couple of weeks. So it's been really, really enjoyable to uh, hang out with you guys and and, and talk about this. It's been an, an, a nice, a nice break for sure. Well, good. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know that anything exciting is going on in the news, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, that's that's probably a good place to leave it. Uh, uh, Owen, I'm really grateful you could make it. Uh, and thanks for I, I, I don't know if I would have ever seen this film if you hadn't prompted me. So I'm grateful to you. Thanks again. Yeah, I will, same here. I, yeah, I will. Um, if if and when I pitch you guys again on, mm-hmm. on a movie, I'll try and make it something equally weird. Oh, yes. Actually. Yes. Do that. Actually, there there's a really bad movie I want to get somebody to watch with me, which is Galaxy of Terror. Uh-oh. I'm not even familiar with that. Oh, my God. So it's it's an old, uh, what's the guy's name? Corman? Uh, I think I've heard of this, Pete. Yeah. And it's got like... Uh, uh, Joni from Joni Loves Chachi. I think it's got like the guy who played uh, Magnum P.I. It's just like this bizarre ass cast in this space movie that should have never been made. And I'm fascinated. I thought you were going to go with Zardoz or something. It's kind of Zardozy. Well, no, Zardoz (laughs) is kind of classy compared to this. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, you know okay. what, uh, Pete, Pete I, I, I did want to tell you this. Um, I haven't had a lot of time to, uh, to sit down and, and, and read a book for a while. But one, mm-hmm. of, the more, one of the books I read uh, around like Thanksgiving uh, was Hyperion by Dan Simmons. Yeah. And I'd never mm-hmm. read it before. And I was, I was really impressed. And I, I'm sure that you've read it. Um, yeah. and, and I was really impressed by it. I really enjoyed it. Excellent. I- it's one we should cover. I mean, it's it's it, it's canon. It's well done, and I can't really think of anything else like that out there. So yeah, let's let's add it to the list, Carlo. Let's do it. Okay, adding to the list. Okay. Well, right. um, everybody, it's been a pleasure, and uh, uh, thanks again, Owen, and I suppose Carlo for uh, coming on. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Yep. Yeah.